Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 290 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me this week, the godfather, Bill Lack. How are you today, Bill? Good, good. The Red season uh, ended unceremoniously. And it was a difficult season. It did? It did. It was difficult. In, is the season uh, over? Uh, it is for some teams, like, yeah. the, like the Milwaukee Brewers and the Cincinnati Reds. And it was a difficult season, as I was saying, but uh, I guess you could make an argument. There was some progress. There were some positives. But I expected whew, the season ended and maybe we'll get a breather. We'll watch some playoff baseball and get a little bit of a breather. But instead, we had more Reds news this week than we've had in a long time. Did, uh, did, did that to help uh, launch you into uh, hot stove league mode, Bill? I don't know about hot stove league, but it, it, it's interesting that, that, that it seems to be that the transformation that was started last winter by the front office seems to be continuing. Yeah, what, what we can say is that uh, we've said several times in our conversations that we have been encouraged by the decisions that have been made by the current front office that we would not have seen in past years. And that we just saw a week full of that, didn't we? That's a good thing. It's a great thing. So let's try to run through some of the news from the week, and we'll uh, we'll talk about that as much as we can. The, the first thing that uh, was earlier this week, the Reds announced that uh, Terry Reynolds is uh, leaving the organization. He's going to become the president of the Florida State League, and he's the Reds. Uh, spe- he's a special assistant to the GM. He'd been with the Reds organization for more than a decade. He was the director director of amateur scouting and then director of player development and then got moved out of that role. To, uh, essentially, a, uh, he was replaced, and uh, I don't know. Somehow people stick around in the Reds organization, but uh, he's gone for good But um, and wish him the best of luck. But then uh, along with that news came about the uh, – uh, the news that the Reds were making wholesale changes in the uh, minor league coaching staff. And uh, a bunch of guys, uh, Milt Thompson, who's the uh, hit, minor league hitting coordinator, Billy Hatcher, outfield base running coordinator, uh, they're gone. Of course, Milt Thompson been around for three years. Billy Hatcher has been uh, with the Reds you know, for on the coaching staff for Forever. more than a decade. And then, of course, uh, a, a popular player. Also, uh, AAA manager Jody Davis not returning, AAA pitching coach Jeff Facero, uh, Danny Darwin, Danny Darwin, the double A pitching coach, not returning. And, and to me, it's really interesting that the, the uh, hitting coordinator, minor league hitting coordinator and two of the uh, the, the top two pitching coaches at the top uh, minor league levels are out. Um, what were your thoughts about these moves? Anything in particular, uh, Billy Hatcher or any of these guys? Well, you know, and you say it all the time, you know, you, you know, you don't, you feel bad for anybody that loses their job. Um, but the one thing you know about baseball is they'll always find a job somewhere. Um, it, I, it's interesting to me that the that the uh, that the uh, these guys, I guess, were the way I see it, at least on the pitching side, were given this season to kind of come in line with what the new plan is or what the new philosophy is. And you would assume that they didn't seem to fit, be a good fit, and that's why these changes were made. That's the way I would see it. I, I think that's a very uh, I fair analysis. I, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens on the hitting side. And we'll talk more about that hitting in a moment because there are other news on, on that uh, on that front. Yep. But with the pitching, I think that analysis is exactly the way I took it. And we don't really have anything other than just the public statements right now. But the Reds were very, very public uh, the past off season and then all this year about the new uh, the new uh, way that. The, that Derek Johnson, the Reds pitching coach, was going to be sort of molding the pitching top to bottom in the organization. And I just don't know that there's any other way that you can uh, interpret the AAA and AA pitching coaches, uh, Jeff Facero and Danny Darwin, both former major leaguers, um, not returning for 2020. Uh, then there's sort of the continued uh, molding and shaping of the Reds pitching by Derek Johnson. Um, and we'll probably be coming back to that in a minute because the Reds made another uh, interesting hire on that front. But first, let's go back over to the hitting because, um, well, let's let's have a requiem for Billy Hatcher, I guess, here. You know, everyone uh, is going to always uh, remember Billy Hatcher fondly. You know, that 1990 World Series, uh, uh, you know, Billy Hatcher. 
I remember him celebrating. Does he, does he still hold the consecutive hit record? As far as I know, who for knows? the World Series, I don't know. The Reds haven't been back in the World Series, I so I, I haven't watched one since 1990. So I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, Milt Thompson, the minor league hitting coordinator, out, and also this was the most surprising news of the week to me. The Reds announced on uh, a couple days ago that hitting coach Turner Ward is out after one season. Uh, they've not yet named a, a replacement for the major league hitting coach, and. This blew me away in some ways because it's not something the Reds would have done before. And this is something that uh, Jason and I talked about on the podcast last week because I think a question was asked. Uh, do you think Turner Ward uh, should be gone? And I said, well, no, I don't think he should be gone. I think you should give him some more time. He had a good reputation coming in. But my, my other the other side of that was that I said, I don't, I don't think that the Reds will get rid of him. I think they made a commitment to him last year. And I guess the way I would frame a question to you, Bill, is are you surprised that the Reds cut bait on Turner Ward after just one year? Because he was part of the big uh, remolding of the uh, system last year. And you, and you and I talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago. I kind of put that same question to you as to whether you thought they might, or whether you thought they might make a change. And you, and you said what you said. You didn't think they would. Am I surprised? Yeah, uh, very much so. Because you have to believe it was that he came here under more than a one-year deal. So they're eating some money, I would have to believe, on this, which, again, shows a difference in this team's philosophy. Uh, the other thing is, and I said this on Twitter, I wonder whether this is a, a knee-jerk reaction to the Reds or this guy's just getting the blame for having to try to coach a bunch of bad hitters. It's a good question, and I, I think maybe if you uh, interpret a little bit of what David Bell, Reds manager David Bell, said about it, I thought it was really fascinating. And here are the quotes. I've got them in, in front of us. Um, as an organization and a major league team, we're at the point where we need a clear plan for the aligning of our offensive approach. We identified that we weren't where we needed to be with that. It was, uh, he said, it was more just philosophical in nature and having a clear plan in place for our team and our organization from an offensive standpoint. So it sounds to me like they want a guy like Derek Johnson to take over the hitting. And, and when, when you look at Milt uh, Thompson being uh, relieved of his duties as well. Uh, in the minor leagues, it sounds to me like they want something like Derek Johnson doing on the pitching side and that they just did not see Tur uh, Turner Ward accomplishing that. Uh, I thought those were interesting comments. Yeah, it does sound like they want, a, they want an organizational – a guy to kind of be the organizational wide guy or, or at least somebody that can help implement an organizational wide philosophy. Uh, you know, and, and this isn't the first time the Reds have tried to do an organizational wide philosophy. We remember a few years ago – when they were, you had to take the first strike. Uh, at least they were doing that at Dayton, and and it was a disaster. And I hopefully it won't be anything that radical or goofy. But but you know we've we've talked for years about an organizational philosophy on both sides, you know either offensively and pitching wise. Um, and and I think it was Chris Welsh that was telling us that this year in spring training was the first time they they started having these morning meetings. Yeah. We're going over the philosophy and, and, and trying to keep things, you know, things all on one page. And I think that was the first time he said he'd seen it in this organization, if my memory is, is correct. Yeah. And, you know, I, I hesitate to put too much of uh, performance on a hitting coach for major leaguers. You know, once you get to the major leagues, um, you know, you, you kind of know how to hit, you would think. But uh, someone made a point this week that I thought was interesting. I'd like to know what you think about it. Is if you think about all the different players, uh, Joey Votto, Nick Senzel, uh, Jesse Winker, Tucker Barnhart, uh, who during the middle of the season kind of played with their stances and hitting approaches. It was kind of like a work in progress for a bunch of guys. And you wonder uh, how much of that was uh, Turner Ward responsible for and, and how much of it was uh, leads into this uh, aligning of our offensive approach uh, that David Bell talked about, that uh, having a clear plan in place. I thought that was an interesting point. I think it's an interesting thought, and, and and you you do have to wonder because I don't remember in any time in my memory so many guys trying so many different things. Of course, all the guys that we're talking about were struggling, so you would hope they're trying something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so I, whether it was Turner Ward, whether it was the fact that offensively this team was flat as a pancake, and 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 so many guys on this team were struggling that they were trying new things or, or going to the hitting coach and saying, what can I try to get out of this slump? Who knows? Yeah. I, yeah. It's, I would love to know some of the internal conversations, obviously, and we don't uh, know those, but, 
one of those fly on the wall things. Yeah, but I but I will say that I was extremely surprised that they went ahead and cut bait, just given that they had uh, had just brought him in and it's sort of a celebrated move when they brought him in. It wasn't necessarily as uh, celebrated as uh, Derek Johnson's hiring, but you know the Dodgers wanted to keep Turner Ward. He'd been there for three years. They didn't want, they didn't want to lose him. They uh, made an offer to try to keep him. So I mean, it was a yeah, um, it was a big deal when they brought him on, and just the, to see them cut bait so quickly shows that they understand that maybe uh, I hope maybe it signals a little bit of urgency on the on behalf of the front office, or or at the very least that they have a plan and and, and this didn't adhere to the plan. Right, right, and which would be the first time in a long time they've had a plan, right? Well, at least that we know about. Well, right, that was uh, visible on the surface. Now, to me, that was the most surprising move of the week was Turner Ward, but to me, by far, the most exciting news of the week was a hire that the Reds made, and, and it's a guy named Kyle Bodie, and a lot of you are going to be familiar with him. Uh, some of you may not. He was hired as the Reds' director of pitching initiatives slash pitching coordinator. Now, Bodie is a really interesting guy. He's uh, the founder and owner of this place called Driveline Baseball. It's a data-driven baseball performance center up in the Pacific Northwest that a bunch of big leaguers uh, go to and, and train there. And he's, he's a really interesting uh, kind of guy. He he read Moneyball when it came out, and that got him interested. I mean, he pitched a, l- a little bit in high school, and, may, and I think he may have uh, pitched a little for a year maybe at some D3 school in college. But it got him really interested in uh, – uh, researching and testing player development methods. And so he started to driveline uh, a blog, actually just started a blog and it became driveline baseball. This, uh, this place where he uses high speed cameras and sensors and, uh, Trevor Bowers, one of his, uh, one of his, uh, acolytes out there, but uh, a bunch of big leaguers, uh, go out there and he's been a consultant for so a bunch we do better than that. <laughs> well, I agree, but he's been a consultant, uh, for a bunch of teams and, the news came out that a bunch of teams, specifically, we know that the Cubs tried to hire Bodie this year, and the uh, Mets did. And he, Bodie, essentially said that he came to the Reds because, um, that he, first of all, he's going to work almost entirely in the minor leagues, and that he picked the Reds over the other options. It's the first time he's ever uh, done it. Because he said, "quote I had a lot of interest and multiple offers." The direction the Reds are going blew me away. Throughout the two months of interviewing, the Reds' opportunity just felt right. It's time to get to work, basically. So, I mean, um, this is a guy with an extremely uh, high uh, – uh, people have an extremely high opinion of this guy within baseball and, and the, the, the methods that he uses to you know, increase velocity and, and to uh, work with pitchers on spin rate, things like that. So, again, this is a serious investment into this organization – and probably overdue, but uh, I don't know. Were you as excited about that as I was? I, I'll be honest. I didn't know as much about this guy. I, I've just learned a bunch just listening to you talk. Uh, but but reading on Twitter and, and from people that I respect, it does sound like a very, very exciting thing. And, and let's be honest, developing pitching has been a problem in this organization for a long, long time. So, you know, hopefully we're going to start seeing young pitchers coming up that are that are difference makers, that are, you know, in, in, in bulk we would hope. Well, you would hope. You would absolutely hope. So the Reds, and this, again, this seems like part of Derek Johnson's plan to uh, transform top to bottom the Reds uh, pitching in the entire organization. Caleb Cotham, who's the assistant pitching coach, um, who's been uh, he's uh, been promoted, actually. He was assistant pitching coach this past year. Um, he's still going to remain assistant pitching coach, but he's also the Reds' director of pitching. He has that new title. Uh, Cotham was a guy who... Um, was an early adopter before he got injured and uh, his career essentially ended, but uh, he was a driveline guy and it got him to the big leagues. Um, basically he was uh, sort of floundering in the minors and uh, it uh, helped him get to the big league. So, you know, uh, these are all to me, t- incredibly, incredibly exciting uh, moves. Be really interesting to see what direction they go with the hit with the hitting coach. I don't have any idea who, who it might be. Um, but, uh, I don't know. Like like you said, this is uh, more pe- more pieces that are uh, coming to light, I guess, of uh, the plan that they have. And to me, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, for I mean, for for the off season, I mean, the only thing could be, you know, they, they, they could 
top this is if they went out and signed some big name guys. You're exactly right. And uh, to that point, um, I, well, before we get to that point, I guess for the first week of the off season for us, uh, as disappointed as everyone was with the way the season ended, they at least are doing some things that make us think, okay, we, we've been saying for a while anyway that it's going to be a, one of the most interesting off seasons that we've ever seen in Cincinnati, or it should be. If it's not, they're wasting an opportunity. But there's some uh, evidence that, oh, already, they're not wasting any time here. So the other big news of the week was uh, Dick Williams, res director, or excuse me, president of baseball operations, Dick Williams, um, had some interesting quotes. He did some interviews uh, this week, and uh, he said specifically, we will have a bigger payroll. We will have money to spend. It will be a nice increase. Now, I had actually heard from... Uh, some off-the-record sources that that was actually the case, but uh, couldn't report that. So I'm glad he's saying that publicly. But uh, what do you make of that? There will be a nice increase in payroll. Do you believe it? Oh, I believe it'll increase. I think I, I'm, I'm, I'm from Missouri, so you'll have to we'll have to see whether his idea of nice and my idea of nice is the same thing. Yeah, because. Uh, what concerned me about uh, the, the conversations that he had, um, and he did say uh, that they intend to dip into the free agent market, but he pretty quickly qualified yeah, it with, they, that, with the small market nonsense. Yeah, there you go. They've been peddling that small market nonsense to us for years, and uh, the one time when they're trying to do – I'm sure these interviews are designed to help get the fan base excited a little bit that the Reds are going to spend and they're going to be active this year, but they dropped that caveat in there. How much does that concern you? A lot. It's a crutch, right? Uh, it, I mean, it's time to go big or go home. And, and, and I mean that for the fans. You know, if, if, if the Reds aren't going to go big, and you've, you've, you've been banging on this drum for a while, you know, why should we continue to, to follow this team and, and if, if they're going to if they're gonna make excuses year after year? Now, you know, we can point at the Oakland A's and at the Tampa Bay, at Tampa Bay and, and, and say, you know, well, they're wonderful franchises and they're, you know, they're getting by on a you know a nothing budget and then are successful every year. But our franchise hasn't been able to do that. Yeah, we are, frankly, it's been mismanagement in Cincinnati compared to those organizations. And so, uh, I've also said that I, I do think that Dick Williams and Nick Crawl and the group that's in place now are in a better position to make the right types of decisions that, that we want to see made. But uh, the the previous mismanagement has kind of put that behind the eight ball a little bit. But you're right; they don't have the benefit of time. <laughs> they can't rebuild here. Uh, it's, it's, it's do it now or, or whatever. I'll go follow. Well, not the Bengals. Uh, nobody wants to follow them. Um, oh God, no, <laughs> they're doing pretty well though. Right. Who's one more, no. who's won more games, uh, in the month of uh, September. I guess we're almost everybody. Then, uh, <laughs> the, the Reds or the Bengals. It was pretty close. In October, uh, they're about they're the same. In September, the Reds did. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I just the small market thing. They've been feeding that line to us for years and years and years as an excuse for why they're not going to go sign anyone. And I, I don't buy it. Look at the Milwaukee Brewers. Somehow they figured out how to uh, sign players. Uh, you know, the Reds. Look at the Cardinals. And you can say, well, the Cardinals' attendance is through the roof and, and all that. But you know what? The reason the Cardinals' attendance is through the roof is because they win every year. They win. When you win, people come. And so, Any more to words with Al Davis, just win, baby. Just win, baby. Um, yeah, so I, to me it's always been this poor-mouthing and, and kind of anti-marketing that we're small market, we can't win. And and, and you've got a fan base now that every time you suggest that the Reds go sign someone, the Cincinnati Reds are a billion-dollar corporation. They're making money hand over fist, and they don't open their books. So we don't know exactly how much, but they're getting all this uh, MLB advanced me uh, media money, um, the the TV money. They've got money coming in, and um, again, a billion-dollar corporation. But every time you suggest they go sign someone, be a legitimate player on the free agent market, you'll get 100 fans say, ah, the Reds can't do that. The Reds don't have enough money to do that. And the only reason people say that is because uh, the Reds have, uh, over a course of years, in order to save some money so they didn't have to spend it, they've convinced us that they can't. 
and I think it's ludicrous. And and I, I used to buy it, and I just think it's ludicrous now. Just looking at the numbers, I don't. Um, I don't know what the number is where they have to be in terms of of payroll, but you know, somebody uh, Anthony Rendon is the guy we talked about a lot as a guy that I really want the Reds to get, and the Nationals made a big time seven year, uh, two hundred and ten million dollar offer or something crazy like that, and and everybody was like, well, the Reds are out, and I'm like, no, why, why, why should we give up on that? The Reds should offer more. He can help the Reds only if you are going to take it as a given that they can't spend. Uh, that's the only situation under which you should let them off the hook. All right, my rant's over. What well, do you have to add to that? Well, the the only thing I would say in, 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 in opposition to that, and it's not about the money. It's With me, it's more about the years. Okay, but... I, 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 would, str- I would struggle for those really, really... But, but if that's, that's going to be the only way you're going to get these guys. I mean, that's just... It's kind of, you know, it's like the way the game is played now. Well, and that's fine. You know, I've got problems with the way the game is played now too. I like I miss I miss the stolen base. But railing about it doesn't make any difference. It is what it is, and it's the same thing with the contracts. If you're going to be competitive, you're going to have to write you know write seven year deals, whether you like it or not, for for marquee players. Yeah, and you, you said the thing I was going to say. That's that's the market value. Yep, and that and that's you know, is it going to hamstring at the other end? Probably. Okay, and, and and you know, but you know the value of the, of the contract at the other end is is going to be bad. But you know, if you can bring if you can bring a world championship in, how much money is that worth? Yeah, I just think that's the market value. If if you if you're going to say oh, we can't sign somebody that long, then you might as well just say we're not going to sign anyone, or at least anyone that is an impact player. You can get Jose yeah. Iglesias for the less marquee. than seven years. I just uh, you're going to have to overpay. That's what the free agent market's about. You know, it's not been the last two years. It'd be nice for the, if we had another year where the there was collusion and uh, free agents were uh, you know underpriced and the Reds could uh, snatch up somebody. But uh, looking at what Rendon's well, been, but, but they weren't underpriced for the marquee guys. The marquee guys got the big money. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. That's a very good point. The Bryce Harpers and I the think Manny Machado. What we're talking about is the guys. I, I think what we're talking about is the guys that were right below that marquee level who in the past were, were making big money, and now the teams are going, well, wait a minute, you know, maybe, you know, they're not worth that kind of money. They're not difference makers. They're not, you know, Bryce Harper or whoever, you know, you want to talk about. You're absolutely 100% right. I think that's a great point. I think that the marquee guys, and, the, and those are the guys that are going to move the needle. For the Reds, I mean, you know, um, yep. the, the Reds should have invested in Manny Machado last year. They may not have been able to get him. I'd like to live in San Diego too, uh, but that's a guy that would have moved the needle. Um, this year, you know, it's Rendon and uh, on the free agent market. I'm not sure who else really truly uh, moves it that much. Uh, Yasmani Grandal, who is uh, now going to be a free agent since the Brewers have been eliminated unceremoniously from the playoffs, he is. Uh, He's going to be a free agent, and there was a there was a uh, yes from John Heyman, this uh, this guy who I, you know you never know what to believe from that guy. He he likes to listen to himself talk, but he did say the Reds are going to uh, intend to make an offer to Yasmani Grandal, and you know that's that's a big upgrade. But uh, I I don't know it, it can't be just him. Why not Rendon? I mean, really <laughs> overpay for the guy. Although I do fear that the the Nationals are going to really crazy overpay for him as a. Uh, you know, unless they decide to really tear it down, but uh, because they let Harper get away last year, that they may overpay for yep. Rendon. I, I I agree with that. I don't, I don't think they're gonna. I, I don't think they're gonna let the best player on their team walk away two years in a row. We'll see. They may decide to just tear it down and start over because, uh, of course, then again, they may make a run in this postseason. That'll change what they do because they're still alive. So I don't know. Going to be interesting. I just uh, I did think it was interesting that the Reds. Uh, said that uh, that Dick Williams said, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna spend more money." He also said, "There's another good quote that I wanted to uh, talk about." Um, he talked about getting get more guys that could get on base uh, to because the offense needed to be upgraded, and he said that uh, specifically said they want to upgrade offensively in the outfield. And the quote was this: "I think we have the potential to have three everyday outfielders in Winker, Senzel, and Aquino." But we cannot go into next year counting on uh, all three of them to be everyday guys. 
It just isn't going to be that easy. We have to create more impact in that group and still give these guys the opportunity to play their way into everyday roles or complementary roles, but the outfield area is one we'd be looking to supplement. So that's kind of saying what I said in my last piece for Cincinnati Magazine of the season, which is that uh, you know if you go into the season with the same outfield, you're in trouble because unless you've seriously upgraded elsewhere, because you know counting on all those guys, you have to count on them to both stay healthy and to improve, and I think that's a, a fool's game. I, like I always say, hope is not a strategy. Were you surprised that he specifically mentioned those guys and the outfield as a place to, to upgrade? Uh, I think it, it it shows that they're they're thinking about all the positions other than probably first and third to yeah. upgrade. Uh, and, you know, you, we've talked about – I don't believe Winker will be with this team on opening day next year. You've said I'm, that I'm a Jesse a Winker guy. Yeah. Uh, it's just a, it's just a feeling I have, uh, and if they're talking about him as an everyday guy, I think that's a fool's errand. I, I think it, it he just can't hit left-handed pitching. Uh, now, and, and you, you know, Jason and you and I and I've you know so many people have rang the bell for a platoon and left. You know, sure, I'd like to get somebody better, but you know, I wouldn't have a problem with Winker and Irvin platooning in left field. But again, you got to get you got to stay healthy. Uh, Winker has the last two years hasn't been able to stay healthy. Yeah, so you're you're hoping that uh, Ir- Irvin's season this year is real and that Winker can stay healthy, and then you're hoping that Aquino doesn't flame out, and that's just way too much. Yeah, fingers crossed uh, for me. Uh, that's too way too big of a gamble. Um, now the next part we talk about Senzel in center, John Heyman again. Uh, he reported. Quote, the Mets and the Reds this winter will both be in the market for a center fielder. And you wonder where what the, whether there's any basis at all in his reports ever. Because you, sometimes you just never know with this guy. But uh, if there's some source there that says the Reds are going to be active in the market for a center fielder, it makes you wonder if the Reds are thinking about moving Sinzel back to second base permanently as a, as a way to resolve the second base position and maybe to resolve his uh, injury issues uh so, you know, would it surprise you if except the, Reds... the year before he broke his finger? Except the year before he broke his finger playing second base. Yeah, that was kind of a fluke play. There, I mean, you'd think maybe with the shoulder issue that getting him back into the infield where he's not making those long throws um, might protect his shoulder more. That's the only thing I can think of. The other thing was a ball just took and, and a bad the other hop. Thing you, yeah, the other thing you, you hope is that they haven't soured on Senzel. Oh, there's no way they can't. I don't think there's they, they can't just because of public relations. But it would be silly to do that. I I, I don't disagree, but it wouldn't be the, it wouldn't be the wackiest thing this team's ever done. I I I think it would be considering the decision makers right now. I think there's no chance of that. But that's an interesting uh, thought uh, that I didn't want to think about. Um, I didn't. I didn't say I believe that, but I said it's something that you have to think about. Yeah. Okay. I just thought about it. I'm going to put it out of my mind now. Okay. You don't. You don't want to think about it. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> uh, there's been. There was a suggestion because the Red Sox are, are whining about their payroll now, and there's a uh, there's this discussion that Mookie Betts might be on. The, now he didn't play much center field, if any at all, this year. Mookie Betts, uh, but uh, he did post uh, almost seven wins above replacement. Um, but only available for uh, he has one more year of arbitration left, uh, and he'll make twenty some million in arbitration. Uh, what would you think about the Reds trying to put together a package to trade for Mookie Betts uh, for for one I season? I can't imagine. I can't imagine that we'd have enough. I think we'd have enough, but so, I don't think we'd have enough to get anybody else. Um. And he played 17 games in center field this year. He did this year. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, he's okay. He's a pretty good player. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dating back to. We, we'd take him if, he, if, he, if we could get him, you know. He'd, he'd, we'd find a place for him to play. No doubt. Uh, you probably have to empty out what you've got <laughs> in terms of prospect capital, uh, and you only have him for one year if you can't re-sign him. Um, but then again, dating back to 2015, there's one player in baseball that has uh, more wins above replacement than Mookie Betts. And I think you know who that one player is. Lisa is that a young man out in California? No, it's Lisa Alberto. No, it's Mike Trout, obviously. So um, that is a, that's a question that I, I would hate to give up what it would take to get him 
Although just one year of him, it's not going to be as much as if there were three years of him. But I would hate to, because it's going to take, it's going to be a big hit. And the Reds probably don't don't have enough prospect capital to get anyone else in trade that can uh, can move the needle, as I say, if they did that. But man, can you imagine Mookie Betts in this lineup next year? Oh my goodness. Well, the other thing, you know, would be really nice is if they could bring him over and, and sign an extension at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would, uh, but I would be surprised if Betts would do that. It'd be his first time hitting the free agency, uh, the free agent market. And he made 20, he made 20 million this year. Yeah. And so he's liable to get a big time payday. And I, I don't see him being, yeah. I mean, he could resign with the Reds after that year, but I would be surprised if he did it without testing the market first so uh, it's a gamble it's only 26 what about you trade for Mookie Betts you sign Yasmani Grandal and let's roll what do you think about that that gives you move Senzel to second move Senzel to second so you got Votto Senzel Suarez uh, Freddie Galvis or whoever it's short Um, you have uh, Winker Irvin Betts and Aquino in the outfield and Grandal behind the plate I think that's a I think that's a team that gets it done. I really do. Or how about this? So, so you really think they're they're one big bat away? No, two. Well, one big bat and another okay. pretty good one. Um, yeah. How about trade for Mookie Betts and sign Anthony Rendon and uh, start printing World Series tickets? It'd be fun. <laughs> it would be fun. One year of bets would be fun, but you know you're going to have to give up guys like Lodolo and. Uh, Guys like uh, Jonathan India, who I, I don't really, there's no one in the Reds minor league system right now that I would have any heartburn losing, to be honest. But uh, Tyler, no. Tyler Stevenson and, and, and guys like that, who I, 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 Tyler Stevenson's the guy I'm highest on in the Reds minor leagues, but you'd have to give up a bunch of these guys. And uh, I don't know. I just, that, that, uh, it, it really intrigues me to have a hitter the quality of Mookie Betts in the Reds lineup. I don't see it happening. So, um, would you do? A, would you do something like? And I would think this would be the deal that they that you'd have to make. It would have to be one or two guys off the twenty-five man that are cheap and young and pretty good, and some minor league guys. I think it'd be like Senzel and somebody else, and minor league guys for somebody like Betts. I think that, I don't think that I don't think maybe some major league guys, but I don't think Senzel's in there. I don't think there's any way they trade Senzel. He's the only prospect that's come out of their organization that's actually made it. Um, I think Lodolo in India, I think Hunter Green still has real value. Um, Tyler Stevenson. And then, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe Winker. Maybe, uh, you know, somebody like that. I don't know. I'd be interested to know. I, what I, I, don't think that, I don't think you could get the deal done for, with what the Reds have in their minor league system. I think you'd have to have cheap, young, 25-man 20, roster guys. It, assuming they're really going to dump salary, you know, and, and, and you know, well, time maybe, will tell on that. Yeah, maybe. I don't, you don't know. What, it's hard to say. You're probably right, but it's hard to say what the Red Sox really want to get in return. I mean, they, they can go out and sign cheap major league talent um, after they clear that, uh, get under the luxury tax. I would, I would say, Hey, I'll give you Hunter Green and Jonathan India and just see whether they even, whether they laugh or whether they, you know, come back what they say. That's what I would say. What about the Hunter Green and Jonathan India for Mookie Betts? And, you know, they may laugh you out of the room or they may say, oh, hmm, let's talk. What about if you throw in such and such or whatever? I, I, I think that's what I would do. That'd be painful, but man, Mookie Betts, he's good and he's got a cool name. And is that a cooler name than Mookie, like Mookie. Mookie Blaylock? Is it cooler than Mookie Blaylock? You remember Mookie? You, get, you know what? We could probably get Mookie Wilson. Mookie Wilson. We could get. I bet we could. I bet Mookie, Mookie Wilson, to come play for the Reds. Probably, probably. I would say you probably get him on a minor league deal. I would think. Probably. Yeah. Maybe even fairly cheap. <laughs> Maybe even fairly cheap. So, I don't know. It's uh, again a lot of the stuff we're talking about is oh, what will happen? What can the Reds do? Now is the time of the year where the Reds have given us a little bit of taste, something to be excited about. But everything's still up in the air. They've still got to go do it. And I don't know. I don't know. Um, the Reds seem to be intent on making moves, and that's another thing Dick Williams said was, we're, playoffs next year is our goal. That's what we're talking about. And how much of that's PR and how much they're actually going to be able to do, but that, you don't get from 
losing 90 games in a row, four straight seasons, then moving up to, you know, 75 and 87. You don't get to the playoffs from that point without drastic moves. So, uh, <laughs> what's your confidence level that they're actually going to be able to convert on uh, some of this all in stuff we're talking about? Well, here's what I'll say. They said in this offseason they were going to go out and get the pitching. They did that. They did. So let's give them credit for that. And until they, they you know, don't – this front office doesn't keep their word to us, I, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Now, if we come in next year and we've signed, you know, Dietrich Iglesias-type guys and think that this team's going to compete, you know, it's not going to be not so much, you know? What are you going to say if they sign uh, Jose Iglesias to a two-year deal to be the starting shortstop? I'll throw – what you mean when I get done throwing up? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't dislike Jose Iglesias, and, and, and I know you don't either, and right. you take quite a bit of abuse about him. But if this team's going to win, we've got to – those aren't the kind of free agents we need to be signing. No, I mean, unless to, you're to, – To be different players. Unless you're getting the other big hitters so that you can afford that one black hole in the lineup. Yeah. Um. All right. Any other thoughts about uh, off-season and all-in and any of that? It's going to be fun, I think. Well, the, only, the only other thing I was thinking, uh, the only other thing that, that occurred to me while we were talking here is all of these changes that we've seen so far, the, the, the positive stuff, seems to be on the pitching side. And, and, and you know, you hear him talking about a hitting philosophy – I'm, 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 I'm interested to see when we start hiring people on the hitting side to see who we hire and how that fills out the organization and to see what direction that goes in. Yeah. Does that, does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I think we're going to, I'm really interested to see, interested to see what they do on the hitting side. Um, and again, not just in terms of players, but, uh, the coaching staff. I mean, it's it's going to be a fascinating. Man, this this off season is going to be crazy, uh, all the way around. I think. One way or the other. I mean, it'll, it'll, I can see though. The I can see. It'll be. Yeah, they're they're going to get us. Uh, <laughs> quit interrupting me. They're going to get us. Uh, they have a real chance to get me from being as the, depressed as I've been in a while about the the, the team. In the next few months, I, you can see if they seriously get uh, spend some money then, you know, <laughs> they could get me excited pretty easily, I think, is, I guess is the way I'd put it. So it, well, you're, you're, well, you are the, you are the, uh, the, the, the positive guy. You're the, you know. I, I've been optimistic <laughs> generally, yeah, until uh, recently when uh, it's become clear that they bungled this, uh, this rebuild in, in some, so many ways. Uh, one more thing about the payroll. Let's talk about specific numbers just a little bit. Um the Reds have said that uh, they're not going to comment on specifics of payroll, but we're going to continue to build and invest in the team, have more financial resources available, payroll be bigger. The payroll this season was right at $130 million. Okay? And um, on the books right now, five players, they've only got five players that already have their salary set for 2020. And that's uh, Joseph Daniel Votto, Sonny Gray, Eugenio Suarez, Roselli Iglesias, and Tucker Barnhart. That's a total of uh, just under $58 million. So um, a bunch of players hitting arbitration, Trevor Bauer, Anthony DiSclefani, Michael Lorenzen, Kevin Galsman, Derek Dietrich, uh, Jose Peraza, Kurt Casale, uh, Scott Schebler, uh, if you remember that guy, Matt Bowman. So um, Bauer's going to get a, a, a bump. Probably, but I don't know. If it's going to be a huge bump. He made thirteen million this year and, and had a bad year, so that's not going to go up a whole lot more. Di Stefani could get a pretty good one. Kevin Galsman uh, was almost ten million this year. I don't know if the Reds are even going to offer him arbitration, but I expect that they will. We'll see. Um, a lot of that's going to depend on Derek Johnson, I'm sure. So, um, and then Michael Lorenzen is probably going to get a, a pretty good raise, but he only made two million last year, so that's not that 
bad. So, um, I don't know. It's, Doug Gray was looking at it at Red Lake Nation. And he said, if you look at this and just sort of make some assumptions on the raises the guys get an arbitration, that puts us at about $110 million before free agency or trades. So, um, that's $20 million below where they were at the beginning of last season. And the question is, how much higher do you go? But, you know, if you, if you, if you, if you go up to $150 million even, which is really, I think, would be still below average in baseball, that's $40 million to play with. You can get some. And if you go up uh, even more than that, you get a, you know, you can pay a guy $30 million a year, Anthony Rendon. Um, I think the numbers could be there depending on exactly how high it's going to go. So do you think any of that was, uh, I don't know, um, does that make you think, the fact that they're at a, what, it makes me it makes me hopeful you know uh, and, and what you're saying makes complete sense and and what they could do and at this point it's just a matter of what what, what they will do and we'll just have to wait and see ah uh, yeah we're just it's all if if this then whatever so all right anyway um a couple other things that, i think i think yeah go ahead the other thing that I think is going to be interesting that's going to happen after the World Series is we're going to see who they offer arbitration to, who they tender, who they don't, and that kind of thing. My feeling is peraza has gone, Shebler's gone, Dietrich's gone. And early in the year, I, I thought Dietrich would be a no-brainer, and, and he just had shoulder surgery, and you wonder how long that's been bothering him, the way he hit in us in, after June. Um, there's a lot of guys out of options. It's going to be a very interesting offseason. Let's talk about these some guys with options. But first of all, let me say about I think Peraza is a good good candidate to be non-tendered. I think Dietrich is going to be offered arbitration. I do. I think that when healthy, he's a really solid, still a solid backup player, but a number of different positions with uh, some power off the bench. I I think he's just the same player that we thought he was when he came in. He was he's not the superstar that some people wanted to think he was early in the year, but. Uh, I, I feel like he's going to be back, depending uh, depend on what they think he's going to cost. But I can see how he could help as a bench player on on a good team. I think he can help you. But we we were talking before we started uh, recording about some of the guys, and there are there are a number of them that uh, are going to be out of options and have to be added to the forty man. Um, you want to talk about any of those in particular that interest you? Tyler Stevenson was the one that well, interested me you, mostly. Yeah, I know you talked about Tyler Stevenson. Uh... Santion, I think is I, I pronounce his name, the pitcher. Yeah, Tony Santion. Uh, he, he's very, yeah, he's very highly thought of, and and you know we're we're you know we got a lot of pitchers that are out of options that they're going to have to make some decisions on. Uh, Gosman, Reed, uh, Sal Romano, Stevenson, uh, a, a kid named Melia, Maya, Kerry uh, Maya, Kerry Kerry Maya came over in the Mike Leak trade. Uh, yeah, I I think Jackson Stevens is gone. Uh, I, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Sal Romano. Uh, you know, uh, and, and I think it'll be interesting to see what they do with Gosman. Yeah, I think there's some uh, there's some bloat on the forty man roster though that they have some room. Guys like R.J. Alaniz, you know, um, some guys you can kind of cut bait on to make some room. Uh, you know, and of course, guys are going to be coming off. Uh, Alex Wood, you know, not currently signed next year. Um, Juan Gratterall's a guy, you know, they could make room. But uh, Peraza is going to be coming, or uh, Iglesias is going to be coming off unless they re-sign him. Galvis, they still have to make a decision whether to pick up his option. So um, Christian Colon, looks, just looking down the 40-man roster, there's some, some bloat there, some places to add some guys. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, they're going to have to make some decisions on some of these guys. They absolutely are. Um, and I, I'm just do, not, do you think Galvis is? They would, do you think they're considering not keeping Galvis? I think so. I think it's going to depend on uh, how they can upgrade the team. Uh, they've got some time to dis- make that decision on him. I I would not be surprised if they're not at least talking to Jose Iglesias's people. Will you come back cheap? Um, I would. I hope. Well, that's okay with him. He's he's he and Galvis are essentially the same production level of a player. Um, Galvis is, is due to make five and a half million next year under a team option. Yep. So um, the Reds could, you know, uh, six and one half dozen the other as far as I'm concerned there. Iglesias has a better glove. Uh, Galvis has a little more pop. I don't, you know, if, if, you, if you're going to have one of those guys at short, okay. 
you can't have both those guys starting in your middle infield, and you have to make so solid upgrades uh, other places if you intend to keep either one of those guys in your lineup. So um, I think if I had to bet right now, I would I would bet on Freddie Galvis being the opening day shortstop next year. I think I've thought about it a little bit over the last week or two, and I, I believe that's what I would say. Would you? What would, who would you? If you had to bet the ranch on either Freddie Galvis, Jose Iglesias, Jose Peraza, or somebody else being the starting shortstop on opening day next year, um, would it be one of those three choices, I, or I just anyone else? Yeah, I would agree with you. I, I think it'll probably be Galvis. Uh, I, I, I think they'll probably be willing to take a little bit of a hit on the defensive side to pick up a little bit of bat. Uh, my my question is, you know, if, if it's a if it's a five and a half million dollar option, when do they have to pick up that option? I think, uh, I think most of the time, isn't it? I believe it's to get to the end of the World Series, maybe, um, unless it's something else stated in the contract. But I believe that's when free agency officially starts, right? Or whatever the date is that you have to tender arbitration. Not, I'm not so sure. so they would have to commit. They'd have to commit to that five and a half million before they knew whether they were being be able to sign somebody else that would be better uh i guess yeah you know i don't i don't know the specifics of it and if i'd known you were going to ask that instead of making me look right. bad on my own podcast bill i would have uh, done a little bit of research on that point uh so or or you know maybe maybe you could have done we, that research you gotta keep i gotta keep you on your toes man <laughs> so i don't know it's interesting i don't think either of those are great options but either of them would be acceptable options depending on the upgrades elsewhere that's the way i'll put it so um you also had a point that uh, we talked about a little bit before we came on that I thought uh, your perspective was uh, you were looking at it in a more optimistic fashion than I did when I initially was talking about it. Uh, you had some thoughts about the attendance this year. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they were the Reds were one of uh, what did they were the well, I'm looking at my notes here. They were they had the fifth highest increase in baseball. And they went up almost nine percent in attendance since in 2019. Of course, last year was their lowest number in three decades. But any time that we're, I mean, and they're 19th out of 30 is is what I read, what I saw. But any time you're going up and everybody else is going down, that's a, I mean, that, that that's pretty good. Uh, but I, I was looking at the attendance numbers, and now I probably won't be able to find it again. Um, for the for the for the franchise and their numbers are higher they they had a higher attendance this year than they did in 1972 when they went to the World Series. Yeah, but they were overrated that year. They lost the World Series. <laughs> uh damn yeah. Oakland A. Well, that was that's true around a lot of baseball, especially right at that time, um the early 70s was kind of a dark period for baseball. I looked at the attendance and I was like, eh, 1.8 million essentially. That's among the lowest they've had. Not as bad as last year, which was the lowest they've had since the early 80s, but still this was among the lowest they'd had since the early 80s. But if you look at it in, in the context that you put it in, which is it was a big increase and that they were one of the few teams that actually had an increase because attendance is by and large just down all around baseball. I, you know, I guess teams are excited to see a big 75 win franchise it's a little surprising that on the heels of not four straight 90 win seasons 90 loss seasons excuse me and with the team starting one and eight that they had any increase at all in attendance so that's uh that's a credit to a little bit of the excitement that was generated last offseason but to me it's really surprising it would be also interesting to see how the attendance per game went from the season you know did it peak in may or was it pretty standard all the way through the season? I mean, you'd have to sit down and do some some research to, to do that. Uh, and that would take some time. But, uh, you know, they were 1.8 this year. And you know, 1970, they were 1.8. But, they, I mean, they played half of that year in Crosley Field. And it was still higher than, like, 98 and 97. When you go back to 1970, we're, we're still talking – and I hate to say it in these terms, but a half a century ago. So, I mean, it's a little bit different uh, playing field, uh, you, you know, um, when in terms of the the numbers of people that live within uh, commuting distance to the ballpark. So I don't know what it is specifically. But, yeah, it would be interesting to know. Yeah, I would turn around the argument and say there were less choices then 
than there are now. Yeah, but did they even have your entertainment? Did they even have uh, cars back then? Could you get in your motor coach and, and go to a game? I don't know. I don't know about. Well, now. we got on the trolley and we, you know, the horse-drawn trolley. Yeah. And we went down to the ballpark, you know, and tossed them a buffalo nickel and uh, got, got into what's my <laughs> young uh, pups. <laughs> It's hard to think about it in those terms, but it really was, uh, as of next year, the 50-year anniversary of that 1970 team. and uh, uh, which 50-year anniversary of the beginning of the Big Red Machine. Wow. Wow. And still, it's all anyone wants to talk about in Cincinnati because it's been, with a couple of uh, highlights here and there, it's been mostly dreary ever since. Bill? No, it's all, I, I, I guess as the Yankees still talk about the 27 Yankees, too. Yankee fans still talk about the 27 Yankees. I mean, when you're talking about one of the team, best teams in the history of the game, I mean, people are going to remember that for a long, long, long time. Absolutely, and we would still be, even if the Reds had had success in the intervening years. I think the difference is that fans who were born after the Big Red Machine, or after, you know, uh, in the last 40 years, for example, they have the Yankees fans that are born in that time span have individual teams that they feel close to, that they are, are memorable to them because they have different World Series winners. Whereas the Reds, if you were born after 1990, um, and, and just next year's going to be the 30th anniversary of that World Series since the Reds won a World Series, you got people that uh, really have become big baseball fans, going to be in their 30s starting uh, next year, who don't have a team like that with, for, with Cincinnati to – it's why it's why I fear if the Reds don't do something soon. I mean, they're in danger of losing a generation or two to apathy because it's just uh, Yankees fans have, would have those special teams to them that uh, you know they'll still talk about twenty seven or whatever, but they've got their own team as well. Does that make sense? What I'm trying to say? Yeah, I, I understand exactly what you're trying to say. And I know you've made that point a number of times about losing a generation of fans, uh, and, and and you're not wrong at all. I mean, it's it's just unbelievable i mean it and and it, it there's no sign of it changing at any time soon yeah well maybe this year will be the year um bill i don't think you and i have had a chance to talk about marty have we marty no. brenneman, marty brenneman uh i mean we've talked about him a bunch over the years but since he's uh he you know he retired after 46 years um which is just uh Amazing to me, and, and I talked with Jason some about it last week, and I've given my thoughts in various places that I've written about it. But uh, what's your relationship uh, to to uh, Marty in terms of uh, Marty Brenneman in your life? I am not, and, and, and normally I'm a pretty sentimental guy, and 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 I'll be I'll be honest with you, I didn't get the emotion that everybody was had over this. I, I didn't get it. Um especially when a lot of the same people that I read or that are, that are now saying, Oh, Marty, 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 were the same ones that were, that were with me calling him just a grumpy old man a few years ago. Oh, wait, you were calling you know, someone so else. A, you were calling someone else a grumpy old man. Wow. Yeah, I was. He must've been really uh, grumpy. But, but what I'm saying is, you know, once he's retiring, they're, they're willing to forgive all these things that they, they pissed them off about this guy a few years ago. Uh, and, and, and you know, to me, that's kind of hypocritical. Uh, well, I, you? I think he, he calls a great game. I, I didn't, I think he was unfair at times. He was unfair to specific players and railed on them. And, and I, and I think he's a big reason they, they traded out, ran Adam Dunn out of town. I, I believe that. Um, but you know, my hat's off to a man for a wonderful long career, but it doesn't change my opinion. And I think he, he, he stayed too long. And once Joe was gone, he, he, he didn't, I don't think he enjoyed his job like he did before when he was with Joe. Uh, and that's, that's just my opinion. I know I'm probably going to get raked over to calls about it, but that, that's the way I feel about it. <laughs> Can't you disagree with what someone says while still recognizing that they are were outstanding at their job and that they uh, have a special place in our lives because they've been sort of in the background our entire lives? Can't you? I didn't agree with him all the time, and of I don't disagree. Of course you can, but you don't go public and rip him and then say how wonderful he is a few years later just because he's retiring. To me, that's being a hypocrite. <laughs> I don't agree at all. I mean, if, if you're looking for somebody, if you're looking for somebody you agree with all the time, you're not going to be married. You're not going to have any friends. You're, I mean, I mean, let's be serious. 
My wife agrees but with me all the time. I, I don't understand. I, no, we don't ever agree. Actually, we've agreed a couple, a couple of times today, but I, I just don't agree that. Uh, I didn't. I didn't get the sentimentality for uh, everybody else did, and I and I've been listening to baseball and the Reds baseball longer than I would bet eighty to ninety percent of the people that are listening to our podcast. Um, I just don't get it. I mean, I, I not taking anything away from the man's talent and in his career and all that kind of things, but I, it it didn't affect me the way it seems to affect a lot of different people. Wow. You have genuinely surprised me, as you do occasionally, but you have genuinely, uh, I'm taken aback by that uh, that hot take, Bill Lack. I am what I am. And that's all that you am. Bill, um, <laughs> <Me and> Pop. <laughs> we, uh, I think that's a good place to kind of stick a pin into this. and didn't get any viewer mail this week, uh, just uh, didn't get a uh, chance to do that. We had so much uh, news to talk about, so... Um, We'll get back. I wanted to. I wanted to do one more thing that I thought of while we were talking. I had one more thing to do, and you interrupted it. But go ahead. No, go ahead. No, 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 no. You're you're my guest, Bill. Which usually means we're done. You're my guest. Go ahead. You've talked on numerous occasions about changing teams, whether in jest or serious. Do you think you could really do that? Oh no. No way. Okay. Um, because let me tell you, I try, when I was in the serve, when I was in the Navy, I lived in Florida and, you know, I tried to become a, a Florida football fan. You know, I, I, I tried the, 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 the Buccaneers because I liked them better than the dolphins at the time. And I was stationed in North Florida before and it was before the Jaguars and I just couldn't do it. Now, whether it was because the team wasn't in the city I was in or, or what, but Changing teams is not an easy thing to do. Now, I've never tried it with baseball. I, I know I could never do it with baseball. I'll be a Reds fan till the day I die. But I, I, I'd be curious to hear from somebody that, that, had, that had changed teams successfully and, and how they were able to do it. Because I know I couldn't, especially with baseball. Heck, I'm a Bengals fan. I went to my first Bengals game in 1968 at Nippert Stadium. I think it was their fourth or fifth home game. It was October the 20th. Um, and as much as I hate the Brown family, I can't change teams. I would love to, but I can't. And heck, there's a team two hours away. I, um, no, I mean, anytime I've said that I would change teams, that's all completely in jest. There's no chance, chance of that. But now I will say this, uh, I do see a situation where, um, if I think the Reds are really going to pretend they don't have the money and really not serious about competing, I would certainly take a step back from this, yes. from from watching yep. this team and supporting this team because it's been too, my whole most of my uh, adult life they have not really tried, and if you know life's too short, I'm just I'm getting tired of waiting for them to get serious, and so I can see I can see that, but no, I mean I'm not gonna, am I gonna cheer for the pirates? You know, come on. Yeah, and and I've said this before, and and I have found as I've gotten older, I've become less of a baseball fan. And more of a Reds fan than just it's just a Reds fan, and 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 maybe I would go the other way. Maybe I'd become more of a baseball fan and not worry so much about the Reds, or maybe I would just become less interested in baseball altogether. I but I understand. It. I agree with exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. You just ratchet it down. Yeah, just you know, uh, and and I you know I don't know. I, I can say oh, I'm, I won't watch him again. That's not true. I mean, I'm going to watch. You know, I'll I'll turn them on occasionally in the background, but it, it's not going to be an every. It wouldn't be an every night thing. It'd be. I got things to do. Lots of movies I want to watch. Lots of books I want to read. And at some point, that's going to be more rewarding to me than than following a a franchise that is not making any effort. It's kind of like our buddy Chris Garber says. Chris is like, if you if you kept going to a pizza place and they kept giving you terrible service, we're making no effort to give you good service. You wouldn't keep going back to that pizza place. Why should we treat uh, this entertainment? Uh, you know. The Reds, which are an entertainment vehicle, essentially, why should we treat them differently than you would treat, uh, you know, a pizza place or a restaurant? And there's a lot of there's a lot of yeah, sense I, to that, but we do. So yeah, I, I heard somebody say this that same the same thing about Cubs fans years and years ago when the Cubs were terrible and and they still drew fairly well, only they used a dry cleaner as the as the as the example. Right, yeah, yeah. Why would you? It's the same thing, but it's not. And somewhere somehow it de- deep in our souls or something. I don't know. It, it's different to us. So. All right, that's a that's a place to put a put a pin in this one. I want to 
before we get out of here, I do want to give a big time thank you. You know, um, I've been blown away. This is our first year at patreon.com slash red leg radio and the, the level of commitment from uh, the, the fans that have decided to, uh, of the podcast decided to support us there. I've just been blown away by you guys. Thank you so much. Had a new, uh, new patron patron this week at patreon.com slash red leg radio. J.R. Davis. J.R., man, thank you so much for, for joining up. I promise uh, we're going to keep providing podcasts all uh, winter long. And, of course, if, you, if you're subscribed to the free feed, you know that we dropped one of our Patreon-exclusive podcasts in there just to show you what you're missing if you're not a patron. And it was uh, me and uh, Chris talking about obscure former Reds. It was a lot of fun. We had a blast. So, J.R. J.R. Davis, thank you so much. Now, J.R. Davis, what... Uh, what position is he? There's Fireball and left-handed starter. No way. No way. He's a catcher. Power-hitting catcher. No. Oh. Maybe he'll be the catcher next year. That's who they'll sign. Ooh, J.R. Davis. Now, if they sign J.R. to play catcher, yeah, I'm all in. I'm all in on the Reds. <laughs> all right. Uh, you know, we can go through all the stuff we always do. Subscribe to the podcast everywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, we're at redlegnation.com. Uh, you know where to find us at this point. Uh, would if if you want to help support us through the off season, we're gonna have a lot of fun stuff at Patreon.com/slash/RedLegRadio. But but stay tuned to us here. Uh, this podcast will be gonna uh, be here all winter long, and I do think that we're gonna have a lot to talk. If the first week of this off season is any indication, we're gonna have a lot to talk about. Bill, any final thoughts? Thanks everybody for listening. For Bill Lack and Mookie Betts, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.